This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, and as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, today we're trying to answer your questions uh, about the news of the energy bill. Energy price cap is rising to over £3,500. So what does that mean? Why is it going up? And what can you do about it at this stage? We've got a cracking panel, including Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, coming up answering some of your questions. So hopefully this will be a, this will be a, po- a useful podcast. Sometimes they're just interesting, but uh, this one might actually be useful. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment. In a moment, we'll have our columnist panel, but as ever, on a Friday, this is what we learned this week. We learned that I've got big fans on the BBC breakfast sofa. Good morning, good morning, good morning to Matt Chorley uh, from Times Radio. Got a couple of fans on the sofa here, Matt, you'll be pleased to know. (laughs) Which is nice, but there's one issue, Roger. Good morning, good morning, good morning. That's only three. I always start with four good mornings. Uh, We learn what Boris Johnson and wife Carrie have been doing on holiday on a Greek island. Pictures show them hanging out with mates. Hang on. The story of a young blonde woman in Greece with a group of men, one of whom faces questions about paternity. Mamma mia, here I go again. My, my, how can I resist ya? We learned that this woman outside a hospital had some very strong language for Health Secretary Steve Barclay. Are you going to do anything about the ambulances waiting and the people dying out? Well, don't you think 12 years is long enough? Yes, and we are. 12 years? You've done bugger all about it. Well, the biggest shock of that was that a member of the public knew who Steve Barclay was. Uh, we learned that Rishi Sunak thinks Liz Truss's plan is really bad. Millions of people are going to face the risk of destitution. Which is why um, he will vote for it. But of course I'm going to support a Conservative government. I believe very strongly in the Conservative Party. We learned that Liz Truss is a cat person. I, I think we should have more cats. More cats. <laughs> more cats. No, more no, cats no, is the answer. No, 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 and no, I'm no, very no. pleased there is a cat at number 10. No, 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 no. Whereas Rishi Sunak is a dog person. If you want to go camping and you can't take your dog on holiday. Actually, he's more of an underdog person. If there's one thing I know to be true, it's that Britain loves an underdog. But the main thing we learned this week, which will haunt us for a very, very long time, is that Liz Truss has got a very weird laugh. <laughs> right, that's what we learned this week. Now, it's time for this. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yeah, normally on a Friday, we have uh, four male. It's James Forsyth and Melanie Reed. But today, we have got Melanie Reed. Morning, Melanie. Morning, Matt. Nice to have you with us. And joining us this morning, David Collins, Northern Editor of the Sunday Times. Morning, David. Morning, Matt. Who Now, to put you to do together, uh, Tom's already been in touch, suggesting that your uh, uh, name is Melancholy, which I like. <laughs> well, I don't like. I, mean, obviously, I suspect you'll be cheerier than that, but it's not a bad but we're, portmanteau. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're not, we're not melancholy. Yeah, uh, which is why we'll keep things nice and light now with the question number one on my list in front of me. Why is the North West so bad? David, uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly, you know, pop, this is this is sort of slightly off the back of uh, the murder of uh, Olivia Pratt-Corbell uh, in Liverpool earlier this week. But once again, there's sort of lots of attention then put on the North West yeah. and policing and gangs. And, you, this, you know, this is a world that you know a lot about. 
Yeah, I mean it is. I mean it's a world I've had to report a lot on because it's 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 big in in Merseyside, the Greater Manchester organised crime, and and um, the big one of the biggest revealing things I think for the police was a couple of years ago when I, I don't know if you remember the Encro Chat busts. So Encro Chat was like oh, basically yes. these devices that were like WhatsApp for criminals, they called it. And what happened is the French and Dutch police basically got into it and then shared it with lots of police forces around Europe. So they basically had criminals, you know, secret messages over, you know, a space of, I think, three, four months. But anyway, what they found from that was Merseyside was an absolute hotbed for these EncroChat devices. There's more EncroChat devices in, in Merseyside than there was in London, Manchester, anywhere else in the country. So, I mean, I've always kind of suspected... You know, organised crime is big in Liverpool and Merseyside. One of the big reasons is they've got the docks there. Drugs come in through the docks. You know, uh, guns come in with the drugs. Um, You know, and basically, I mean, roughly speaking, you know, the Colombians, they, 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 they export their cocaine and Albanian gangs typically are being used to get it into the UK. I mean, it used to be in the 90s. You had people like Curtis Warren, big Liverpool gangsters, who had a big share of the cocaine market because you know people like Curtis dealt directly with the Colombians. Now it's the Albanians, but then they give the drugs to these street gangs, who are literally at war at the moment because there's been all these Encro chat uh, busts because the police have suddenly cracked all these gangs you know found a lot of drugs a lot of guns it's created this vacuum and into it we're getting this sort of violence that we've seen where this nine-year-old girl's been killed and and do you get the feeling david that, that is it is there a particular problem in the northwest is it just this but you know this week that's where the focus is is it something that actually if all of this was being played out more in london would policymakers be more concerned about it or is this just actually something that's just everywhere and we're slightly more aware of it being in Liverpool this week for, for obvious reasons? I think on the balance, I mean, it, it's brought it into focus, this, you know, the Olivia, the nine-year-old girl, and suddenly we're all talking about Liverpool again in the way that we did with Reese Jones when, you know, Sean Mercer uh, killed Reese in the crossfire. And that was a that was a bit of kind of street gang warfare um, about a decade ago. I, I, th- I think there is a problem in Merseyside. I really do. I think there's a lot of factors involved in it. Um, you know, it's not, you know, look, organised crime gangs are everywhere. And, and the reason for that is there's a huge profit to be made in cocaine. I mean, you look yeah. at, People, you know, you go out in anywhere, London, you go out in Manchester, Liverpool, wherever you go now, you know, cocaine is in bars, it's in pubs. I mean, I was saying to my friends the other day, I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's just so prevalent now. And and people are making a lot of money from that. And, and it is these kind of, you know, control over your turf and who you deal with too um, and what market you, you corner. Um, you know, there's a lot of money at stake, and and that's that's where these the, this this fighting's coming in. So, but I do think there is a problem Merseyside. I think it, it, there was a specific problem because there are the docks there, and it's a west facing port, and and drugs do come in from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was, was there, was there a statistic? Uh, the National Crime Agency said that they they discovered that seventy percent of drugs had links back to the northwest. Uh, you know, mm. throughout Britain, the, the, the guns they 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 came across. So the, 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 that sense that they are all the, the port, the port thing is absolutely crucial. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember in the nineteen ninety? Manchester was dreadful for guns. They used to be called. You remember it was called Gunchester for a while, um, and it was it was a real hot spot. Mm. And uh, they they put an enormous amount of effort into turning it around. There was quite a famous chief constable at the time. Um, whose name I can't remember, but but it was a huge amount because th- it, 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 what happens, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, D- David knows as much better than me. But th- the case is that it feeds on deprivation. Uh, the gangs it cascades down into using people who are living in in who have little hope in their lives and low expectations, and um, 
the way to tackle it is is leveling up, it's putting money in, it's giving people an alternative. Um, and of course, you know, it never has the, the, the slogan leveling up been more exposed than yeah. it is at the moment. Well, the thing that struck me, David, don't, don't ask me how I noticed this, but yesterday was exactly 13 years after Chris Grayling uh, when Shadow Foreign Shadow Home Secretary in opposition just ahead of the 20th century, so in, in 2009, he gave a speech comparing what was happening in Britain to, to The Wire, talking about the award-winning mm. series that tracks the nightmare of drugs, gangs and organised crime. And he mm. said, it's been, you know, we've imported it, it's been played out here. Um, and so it's not like this is a new thing. We just don't seem to be particularly capable of doing very much about it. No, and that's, I mean, and to be fair, Merseyside police are traditionally leaders in this. You know, nationally, you know, people talk about the Met and everybody looks to the Met. They kind of take the lead on a lot of policing kind of policy and they're supposed to be the cutting edge. You know, we all know the truth of that, really. But um, what actually happens in the UK is people look to Merseyside police for organised crime because they because they are so <laughs> they're traditionally very good at it. You know, they've got a lot of it on the patch. They know what they're doing. They've made a lot of advances. You know, firearms uh, offences were down earlier this year because of the EncroChat stuff. Um, but I think I think you're right. That I mean, the wire it it, it looked in Baltimore, and it was yeah. all about social deprivation, wasn't it? And yeah. and people basically they've, they've got no other option in life. And I think there was a lot of that in Liverpool. I think kids. You know, teenagers, they've been sucked into gangs because it's easy, ready money. It's all the things that we know. And it's how do we, dis you know, how do we disrupt that? And I think Melanie's right. It's just giving people more opportunity, more reason not to join these gangs and kind of be peer pressured and, and kind of just see another option in life, which I think for a lot of estate kids at the moment in Liverpool, um, you know, it's hard to see. Yeah, um, and then if we are going back to what you know appears to be a recession and a, you know, cost of living crisis and all the knock-on effects that that will have, you know, businesses shutting and maybe unemployment will be affected and certainly people's incomes, and then that you know creates a whole new cycle and a whole new generation, doesn't it? It's all slightly depressing. Uh, Melanie, let's move on and talk about. I thought this was really interesting. This the SNP suddenly loving being British. Uh, Ian Blackford <laughs> says he loves the House of Commons. Nicola Sturgeon says I'm British, even though I want to break up the union. Yeah, on two consecutive days, you had two two really senior SNP politicians, um, very very senior politicians. Um, you know, going very flabby on the whole thing, aren't they? I mean, and and, and um, the the big question is is whether you know are they trying to? Do you remember about uh, earlier this week, wasn't it? When they, when they when they were the, the hustings with 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 Sunak and Truss in Perth, and all the the rabid the rabid sort of um, a, a nutty uh, extreme yeses came out and were sort of you know Tories come out and there was lots of unpleasant scenes and it was very very bad for the for the moderate yes movement who were trying to win out. It was a kind of mob mob stuff, and of course the theory is that the Nats now are just trying to look cuddly. And sort of moderate and uh, and appeal to sort of swing voters, but it, it's great fun, isn't it? Great fun <laughs> to see, you know, um, um, Ian Blackford, you know, the the humble, the much mocked humble, humble, crofter. humble, humble crofter, who's also a prosperous investment banker, um, you know, who, who likes a bit of pantomime, and uh, in, and he obviously loves the Commons. He's saying that that you know he's some of his best friends are unionists and. We should be respectful of each other, and he he. Oh, it, it's, he would it, definitely it's, miss. He would definitely miss the sleeper train to Westminster. Uh, uh, there's uh, no, there's no, uh, there's no question of that. Um, um, David, uh, I just want. Um, we should all talk about gladiators. Are you excited oh, yeah. about yet another 1990s TV show being I'm rebooted? Thrilled. Are you? I'm thrilled. Oh yeah, I love. I love the 90s. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at it, the Crystal Maze. You know, Krypton Factor. Let's get it back. Let's get it back. Have you, you, have you ever been? I don't know if they've got one of these in Manchester. One of the the Crystal Maze things, where you can you know, actually play yeah. the game. Absolutely. Have you yeah. done it? Who's the present? We do. Yeah, well, there is one. There's one in London as well. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been done it. it. It's really good, isn't it? I was really, uh, to be honest, the pressure you feel in one of those rooms is it, it is unbelievable. It's so you funny because you're like standing around outside like making a joke and all oh, this is going to be fun, isn't it? And all that anyway. And as soon as you get in there, you go, oh my God, get the crystal! Yeah, it is. You feel like you're, <laughs> you're being judged and defined as a person. Um, no, but I, no, I, I, think, I, I think, you know, I used to love the, 
gladiators. Um, you know, I, I was. But the best thing about gladiators is when the male does these where are these now? Yeah, where yeah, are yeah. They now pieces, and it's like they're either like you know spice addicts on the streets of Manchester, or like CEOs, or there's, there's so, it's like they're so extreme quite, like their story. There's quite a spread there. There's quite a spread. But the one thing it did make me think is like bring about shows like this about the, the gladiators sod. Is it is a slight return to normal people going on the telly, not to win loads of money, but just to muck about, not to become famous or to, you know, win life-chasing sums of money or whatever, just for the sake of entertainment, rather than everything being about celebrity or massive pots of cash. Yeah, I mean, why not just get on a giant toadstool and whack each other with giant cotton buds? Just ordinary people doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we like. Ordinary people whacking each other with cotton buds. Uh, it's lovely yeah. to speak to you both. It wasn't melancholy at all, but it was a bit at the beginning, but we can't help that. That's the news. That was David Collins in the Sunday Times. Many of you read from the Times. Of course, you can read many in the Times Saturday magazine. You can read my column every Saturday as well. Just get yourself a subscription. You know what to do. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, we answer your questions and concerns about the energy price cap. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now it's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Yeah, you know the headline now. Ofgem has announced how much the energy price cap will rise from the 1st of October. The typical household will pay £3,549 a year. That's up from the current figure of £1,971. You don't need it to be a math genius to know that's a massive increase, like 80%. Obviously, it will vary depending on your uh, your personal circumstances. What we thought we wanted to do was get away from the politicians and the policy people in the energy industry, the executives and all of that. Uh, let's. Uh, we want to get you on to put your questions to people who know about these things and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, is going to join us in just a moment. Uh, joining me in the studio, Emma Munbode, uh, the deputy editor of The Times Money Mentor. Morning, Emma. Good morning. Thanks Good to have you with us. You're tapping away on your laptop, keeping across everything is everything is possible that you possibly can do this morning. We've also got the studio, Abby Jitendra, uh, who's principal policy manager at the Citizens Advice. Good morning. Nice to have you with us. Uh, let's dive straight in. Uh, I think we've got Karen on the line. Can we speak to Karen? Good morning, yes, Karen. Good morning, Matt. Good to have you with us. Uh, talk us through your your situation. Well, I guess we're one of the lucky ones. Uh, we're a retired couple. We're in our sixties. You know, we have a well, really, you know, quite a good pension. We're considered comfortably off. But with the rise in energy costs, you know, we're looking, how can we save money? Because, you know, as it is, our outgoings will be more than our incomings. And what it means is we'll be dipping into our savings. We will manage, but we've got two adult children who live independently, who are on relatively low wages, you know, the chances are we'll be having to help them as well. Now, if we feel like this and we're considered comfortably off, how on earth are other people going to manage? And that's really what's frightening me. Um, uh, Abby, you're nodding along there. There were lots of people who, yes, you know, comfortably off, 
But particularly if you're a pension, uh, pensioner and you've sort of planned your life, thinking, well, I will always have that amount of money and maybe maybe able to afford a holiday. But if you're, if you're retired, you can't just suddenly increase the amount of money that you have. Absolutely. So um, at Citizens Advice, we're already giving uh, crisis support advice to someone every two minutes. So it just goes to show how it's already a cost of living crisis for so many people. We also know that the sheer sort of scale of price rises means that a whole new group of people are actually going to be pulled into hardship. So actually, if you were sort of comfortably well off before, you might find yourself um, not being able to cover your essential costs. So that is why um, there are so many calls today, as well as from Citizens Advice, for government to put more support in place. That There are definitely things you can do. You can reduce your energy usage, um, you know, turn uh, turn off appliances and light bulbs uh, when you're not in the room. But, you know, for many people, there's there's really nothing left to, to cut back on. And are you finding Citizens Advice that actually the, the sort of people who are coming to you for advice it's not people you know what the phrase you use you know low-income families living on the breadline but actually you know people like Karen who suddenly start thinking well we thought we were comfortable but this is this is this is um you know a huge chunk of money we weren't expecting to have to find so so uh, what we know is that half the people who um, are going to not be able to afford their energy bill in October are actually not eligible for means-tested benefits and so so not eligible for the support that government has put in place. So what we are likely to see at Citizens Advice is more and more people needing our help who who may well not have needed it before. OK, let's take another call now. Uh, Susanna's on the line. Hi, Susanna. Hello. Uh, tell me about your situation. How, how are you going to be able to cope with this big increase in your energy bills? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to cope. I'm not going to plead um, destitution, but it's going to go from about a tenth of my income to probably next day, for goodness, about uh, a third, I should think. So it's quite a lot. But the question I wanted to ask is, I've been offered by British Gas um, to fix the rate at more than the current cap. Um, and I just, what I'd like to know is how... Um, how definite are these predictions for price rises? I know there will be price rises, but in January and, ne and April, because um, just quickly, uh, my, my, I currently pay about 2000 which is obviously going up to about three and a half. Um, the fixed rate they're offering is about 4000 uh, which would look good if the... Um, 6,000 uh, in April comes about, or the 4,000 in January. Yeah, so yeah. Just so what, can I, can I what, rely on those predictions? That's, that's a sure. really, really good question, Susanna. Uh, Emma, what, what, what should you do? Because, you know, this fixed or not fixed, do you, you know, so at the moment, that's a terrible deal, saying lock it in at 4,000 now. But actually, by next year, it might look like a great, a great thing to, for Susanna to do. Indeed, like the first point you raised there is basically whether these averages are set in stone. So analyst groups such as Cornwall Insight, which you'll have seen in the news, basically do the maths to work out how wholesale prices feed into the cap, which is basically based on the price of supplies like gas and electricity. They've they up to now their their forecasts have been pretty much spot on. They've said the next increase in April is likely to be around six thousand six hundred and sixteen pounds. So, um, going on their previous estimates, which have been pretty accurate, I would say, um, it's obviously a, an important thing to take yeah. into account if you're being offered a fixed deal right now. Um, but obviously the unit rate on fixes are higher than standard variable tariffs right now. And we don't know what's going on in Ukraine with the war. Yeah. We don't know if that's going to escalate further. So um, it's about weighing up your options. And um, you, you may want to just hold fire until January and see what happens because the price cap's going to be regulated every three months from next year. So we have a bit more time in between to obviously see how wholesale There's prices are moving. gamble possibly. Exactly. And see if you could possibly make some savings um, further down the line when wholesale prices start to creep down. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think you'll end up doing, Susanna? Well, I think that's great advice. I'll probably wait till January. I know it sounds a bit churlish to hope the war in Ukraine ends so my gas bill goes down, but it might. You never know. There's lots of so, reasons uh, to hope that it ends, and that would be, you know, that's a matter, you know, we're, we're talking about food and energy prices, and that's a massive thing, so that's not churlish at all, Susanna. Yeah. Really good to speak yeah. to you, Susanna. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to uh, Kate now. Kate's with us. Morning, Kate. Good morning. Um, I've got an observation, first of all, listening to all the commentary around the price cap. What's the point of it if it can be raised so significantly on a regular basis? Um, it just feels like it's being manipulated to protect energy and company profits. But um, I'm interested to know about the companies who've been granted derogation, because um, I have to be a customer of one of them. And uh, 
what would I, should I stay with them? Should I? What does that, what does that mean? Is they've got derogations? That means they 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 are, don't have to abide by the cap. They're exempted from the price cap oh, right. because they invest so heavily in green energy. Ah, Abby's, want, Abby's nodding. To, Abby's nodding. Yeah. I want to be a customer of um, a company that invests in UK yeah. energy production, make us more energy independent. But how long can I resist? Um, <laughs> you know that my moral, you know, weigh up my morals yeah. over my bank balance. Abby, that's such a good point, isn't it? Uh, Abby from Citizen Advice. Um, so you've got Kate trying to do the right thing, going with the green energy company, but she doesn't want to be massively out of pocket because the, the price cap doesn't apply. Yeah, so to take that first question first, so uh, the, the reason why the price cap has gone up is, um, Kate's completely right, because the actual pro the cost of buying sort of gas on, on the market has gone up something like tenfold over the last year, which is you know completely unthinkable and unprecedented. Saying that, um, and obviously it's really important to make sure that energy companies are still running um, because that, of, that also has an impact on our bills. We think it's really important that government is thinking about what other support is, is available um, it's uh, even if you are with a with a company that has derogation that is, um, you know, investing in renewables, um, you are still, um, you know, subject to that overall cap. I'd say it's it's a really valid question. It's it's a question that I think we can again throw back to yeah. government and say, you know, are you investing? Are you incentivizing some of the things that we all need to do to sort of reduce energy usage um, and, and, and make sure that we're sort of yeah. Actually, we're weirdly, one very tiny sliver of silver lining in this pretty bleak cloud might be if the government did do that. And actually, it led to a massive rush towards energy, you know, green energy. Then that might be a long-term benefit to come out of a pretty, you know, short-term shock. I mean, absolutely. I think. I mean, Citizens Advice has 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 been saying for months now that the best way for us to get out of this crisis in the long term, you know, looking at some of those forecasts, they're not going to get down anytime soon. Obviously, we we can't be sure what's happening in April because that is quite speculative. But yeah. you know, it's unlikely that we're going to see a big crash in prices. The best way to fix that is through energy efficiency. You know, moving to more sustainable forms of um, and sort of homegrown forms of energy, so we're not so subject to volatile prices. Yeah. Uh, keep your questions coming in. You can text me 8722, start message the word times. If you want to come on air, email studio at times.ready. You can speak to uh, producer Chloe. Are we going to Beth next? Can we speak to Beth? We can speak Hi. to Beth. Beth, morning, Beth. Morning. Uh, good to have you with us. Explain your situation for us. Um, so I am on universal credit and PIP. I'm chronically ill and not fit for work and work-related activities, so I have a very fixed income. Um, but at the same time, I, because I am below all the means testing stuff, I have received the first half of the cost of living payment, which I've tucked away knowing that the prices were going to go up. And then there is more to come. But yeah, it's going to be used up pretty quickly if my monthly debit goes up. And I can't avoid meeting on them a couple of weeks because I have severe pain. And if I get cold, it, it becomes, I mean, it's Manageable and it becomes totally unmanageable, so it's not an option. And then, yeah, I'm a bit stuck. I don't particularly have what the money line is. Yeah, and I suppose so. So the point is, you've, you've there's all this money that actually was announced by Rishi Sunak, ironically, but that's that's sort of coming down the track now. But that only really deals with the rises in the energy cap that have come before. And that's, the point that you're making, Beth, is that you're on a, you've got two things which are fixed. Your income is fixed because that is what you get through universal credit, but your your need to put the gas on, turn the electric on, turn the heating on is fixed as well because of your 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 medical condition. Absolutely. And how so? How are you feeling when you when, it, when we say it's going to be going up to what? Well, the average again is a household average is three and a half thousand. You know, even more next year. How how are you feeling about that? Um, completely terrified to be honest because I I just. I, you kind of look at it and you go, well, a few months of that with all the grants that have been granted is survivable, but um, more than a few months of that is, is simply, you know, despite what some in the Conservative Party believe, benefits are not extravagant. And I can pay for food and I can pay for energy and I can pay my rent. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how they expect this is going to work out. Emma, um, what, what advice can you give to Beth in that situation? Because there'll be lots of people in the same situation where their, their income is fixed and saying, well, don't put your heating on isn't an option. 
especially as we go into the colder times of the year. You mentioned that you're um, vulnerable, so I would probably speak to the DWP and see if you can get any extra support for that. So um, if you're disabled, you can get an extra £150 towards the cost of living from next yeah. month. Um, just small support measures like that that might be able to make a huge difference over that colder period. Um, also speak to your energy supplier. That's some, a message that we're trying to put out as much as possible at the moment. If you're struggling or you're worried about your bills or you're falling behind, speak to your supplier, speak to charities and let them know your situation. There are things like payment plans. There are grants out there that can take some of the pressure off um, and help um, kind of give you a bit of relief when when you're struggling with your bills and when everything starts to spiral. And I suppose uh, that's, the, that's the point, Beth. And actually, the, the key thing, and I'm not sure that this isn't really what you're saying, but definitely try, just keep prodding people for help. You know, there's no, it's through no fault of your own. Uh, you know, this is this is a mad situation we've got with bills going up by by so much. Um, well, best of luck with it, Beth. And stay in touch with us and let it, let us know how you get on. And if there's anything we can do to to help and 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 you know, citizens' advice and monumental are great places to go. Just to find, try and find. And actually, it might be a bit of hassle from your point of view going around chasing lots of bits of money, but actually, it might all pay off in the in, in the end. But best of, best of luck, Beth. Let's go now to Martin Lewis, money saving expert, joins us this morning. Morning, Martin. Uh yeah, morning. I'll say morning, not good morning. I mean, it is a horrendous morning. <laughs> it is horrendous morning. I mean, it, ju the fact that we knew that this was coming doesn't make it any easier, does it? Well, it should have done, shouldn't it? Uh, I have. Uh, uh, I, I checked the other night a transcript of my show from March, March, where I said in the phrase, and it is likely in October we will see the price cap rise above £3,000, just to give you a level of the forewarning that we had. We then had in May forward guidance from Ofgem at £2,800, which was enough for the government to do a package on at the time. There is no reason it could have not asked for forward guidance again and done another package sooner. The fact that we have this not surprising but still shocking announcement today and no government plan in place is frankly irresponsible. I, with a different hat on, chair the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute charity the mental health risk to many vulnerable people of having an announcement like this without having any firm plan for helping from the new prime minister is, is wrong and it should not have happened. But we have to look forward and see what help will come rather than what help should have been announced already. And I suppose the thing is, if we knew that help was coming or some detail of the help was coming, that that might help. But I mean, I'm literally, literally right now, I'm looking at Liz Truss's Twitter account. As Prime Minister, I'll work flat out to deliver energy affordability and security. I will take decisive action to grow our economy, cut taxes and fit the problem, fix the problems at the heart of this energy crunch at their source. None of those things are going to help with people when their bills go up on October the 1st, are they? Well, well but, but they will probably help me because I'm quite a high earner and wealthy. Yeah, you and I will get a tax cut. Yeah, exactly. So, um, woohoo, whoop-de-doop. Um, the real problem is uh, the, the people who we are most worried about, the people whose physical and mental health is at risk, frankly, whose lives are at risk due to this catastrophic rise. And I've had attacks from some of the press for catastrophizing this issue. I have only catastrophized it because it is a catastrophe, um, are the most vulnerable. And many of those don't earn enough to pay income tax. So cutting income tax won't help. And uh, cutting the green levy will be about 150 quid. But I, I was just doing some numbers, which I think put this all into perspective. In May, the government announced a decent help package, and I do think it was decent at the time, based on a predicted 42% rise in the October to April energy price cap, which was then thought it would take a typical bill to 2,800. Now, the key in that phrase is October to April, because since Ofgem, and in the consultation document, we objected to this, has shortened the price cap period to three months. So the current October price cap will only last until the 1st of January. The prediction is on the 1st of January, we will have another 51% rise, taking the price cap for those on typical bills to 5,380 quid a year. I mean, just unthinkable. So much bigger, more than half a full state pension. So if I go back to contrasting with May, that was a 42% rise. The average rise over the same six-monthly period that was meant to help is now looking like it will be 126%. Yeah. £4,460 on average of a typical bill. 
So that is a gap of £1,460 over a year, although this is a six-month period, more than the health packages that were in place were expected to deal with. And of course, even after uh, April, we expect next year, we don't, I don't expect to see prices come down to any substantial amount. So that is the gap, that is the shortfall. Now, that amount of money is simply unsustainable for many pensioners who live off the state pension um, and who have higher uh, energy bills, many people on universal credit, many people on benefits, many people with disabilities or whose children have disabilities, and many in work on lower incomes. And frankly, it is still a substantial lifestyle hit to many on middle incomes too. So the, the, the worry that this is causing is, is, is magnificent. Yeah. It's magnificent in the worst way. And frankly, to have allowed this to happen without at the same time as they did back in May when they announced what they thought it would be and they announced a help package is really bad politics and is bad for people. But we have to move past that. And I am now praying and pleading and begging with Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak on the day you get into office, you need to give people firm plans and some peace of mind about this, because this isn't about cutting back. This isn't about minimizing your bills. Those things simply will not scratch the sides of this. The only thing that can help the most vulnerable and many on lower and middle incomes is government intervention. And frankly, that means redistributive intervention. Let's be really straight. Energy bills don't rise that much the more you earn. So it's roughly a poll tax. We are going to have to take money from government debt or taxation and distribute it to those who cannot afford to pay their bills. If not, people will die. Uh, Martin, one, and I hope that message has been heard loud and clear from the people who so far haven't been seen anywhere. One thing I wanted to ask you about, it came up and it talked to someone a bit earlier on. Throw into this the working from home thing. You know, it's a big one of the big changes as a result of the pandemic is more people working from home. And anybody who's done that knows that you end up putting your gas on, your gas heating on, rather than you using your bosses. And somebody raised this question of whether employers start trying to get, because their energy bills are going up, employers start trying to get their staff to work from home more, which actually pushes up their bills more. Do you think that this is going to become a problem in the next few weeks? Uh, I think that's, if, if I'm really honest, I suspect it's relatively trivial. Uh, the cost of keeping an office warm are not the big issues affecting businesses generally, because I mean you, your office is in proportion to the number of staff. It, it, it's it's factory and, and, and production type costs, and, and, and it's worth remembering as well. Um, while the energy price cap is just relevant for England, Scotland, Wales, not Northern Ireland, and consumers. So this sudden jump in bills we will see isn't what happens to businesses because they tend to be on contracts and there's no cap there. So it's just when their current contract ends, they're already seeing those rises. So you don't have the same timing issues on business contracts that you do with consumer contracts, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Thanks for that, Martin. And just finally, because you're, you're normally you're a man we come to and you've got some great sort of literally money-saving experts, money-saving tips. Are we at the point now where, without being rude, your tips are irrelevant and what we it is all about government intervention that no amount of 50 pounds here and you know it's all handy but it's not it's not, like you said it's not going to touch the sides for those on the lowest incomes and the most vulnerable um absolutely and i've been out of tools for months as are most of the debt crisis agencies and the likes of national energy action you know you can look for the grants you can talk to your energy firm you should be doing all that and um, for those who can afford the bills yeah i mean there's there's Reduction in energy use, I published about five months ago. I felt sick doing it. I didn't want to do it, but I got my team to research a guide called Heat the Human, Not the Home for people who can't afford central heating, talking about you know USB plugged in gilets that people can wear that are actually more efficient at heating an individual because people can't afford to turn the heating on. Terrible for the for the for actually the structure of your home. But I mean, it's, it's a desperation guide. And, and of course, people who've got money, we can save them on broadband, we can save them on water bills, you can save them on a whole host of other things. But on energy, there's no competition in the market. The energy market is dead at the moment. There are occasionally cheap fixes that are worth some looking at. I mean, just, just, just think of this. At the moment, the mass looks like if you can find a fix that is no more than 115%, so over double more than the current price cap, the mass looks like that will save you money. I mean, and, and the, there aren't even that many that cheap available. Certainly there are none on the open market. A few companies may be offering them to existing customers. What a, what a bloody farce, eh? Well, yeah, then we could both probably use worse language than that, Martin. But uh, Martin, Martin Lewis, really good to speak to you. Uh, thank, thank you for you. coming on. Uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch with Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert.
Uh, well, I mean, I don't need to apologise for that language because he's completely right. Um, we, we will continue, though. We're going to carry on taking your calls and questions uh, about what's happening with the uh, energy price cap. We've still got Emma uh, Mumboat the deputy editor of the Times Money Mentor here, on t- uh, here in the studio, and Abby Jatendra from uh, Citizens Advice. Uh, let's take another call now. Angie's on the line. Morning, Angie. Good morning. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Good to have you um, here with us. Explain your situation. OK, very briefly. I'm current, I am a pensioner. I'm not on benefits, so I'm sort of on the cusp, as it were. Um, I'm living currently in rented accommodation. I've been in rented for the past 18 months. I am going to hopefully be moving into a property of my own, probably somewhere around November time. And my question is, um, what do I do about suppliers? I'm currently with a supplier. I know that um, the property I will be moving into, hopefully, is with a different supplier that I'm not with. What what should I do? What would the situation really, be? Really good question, that. Because um, lots of people, you know, people don't really think about this, but lots of people in the next few months will be moving house and facing the same things. Emma, yep. what, what should Angie do? Indeed. So um, when you move house, it's more likely than not that your supplier won't let you take that fixed tariff with you. So you will have to no. start again, which basically means you'll be it, moving well, it's on to not an a S- fixed tariff. I lost my fixed tariff. So okay. I'm on the standard variable with my current um, energy supplier anyway. OK, so you'll be on an SVT when you move as well. Um before you move, let your electricity and your gas supply know that you're moving. Give them at least yeah. 48 hours notice. Make sure you read yeah. your meter, meter readings um, and keep a note of those readings if you can get a timestamp on those as well. So you've got some proof to, to back you up in, in the event of your um, suddenly high um, final bill and give your supplier a forwarding address so that they can contact you um, and make sure that they're aware and you're aware that you have 28 days to pay that final bill as well. So yeah. um, you don't yeah. get... Um, any debt collectors chasing you or anything like that but the reality is that yeah you are going to be moved on to an SVT and so um, Will that be with the new supplier at the property I'm hoping to purchase? Well it's entirely up to you you can when you move into the property you'll be able to approach a supplier that you want to switch to or that you want to that you, you want to manage your energy supply on and, and they will be able, you'll be able to choose your supplier, basically. So just let your current supplier know that you're you're switching and you're moving to another property. And then once you move into the property, contact the supplier of your choice. So there's an opportunity there for managers basically to shop around a bit, albeit it's going to be between a terrible deal and a really terrible deal. Yeah, exactly. It depends on when you're moving as well, yeah, yeah. obviously, with the, yeah. the three-month change in, the, in when the price cap will be announced. But yeah, when you move in, you will have a full choice as to whether you stick with the supplier that the property is currently registered in or whether you switch to a completely new supplier and whether you move from an SVT to an to fixed. Thanks for that, Emma. Best of luck with it, Angie. Good luck with Thank the move. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye-bye. Good to speak to you. Thanks so much for that. Um, uh, Rich has been in touch saying, uh, should you wait to see what the government does before entering into a fixed rate? I suppose that's a big question there. We're talking about, you know, you could lock in now at 4,000, but then obviously the government comes along and says, well, we're going to limit it. Uh, what if they restrict the projected increases, says uh, Rich. Abby, what, 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 it is an interesting question, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it just comes back to what Martin was saying around there's just so much uncertainty at the moment that it's really hard to give people advice even on on what they should do. Um, I'd say, again, uh, as Emma said, it's about balancing certainty versus possibly paying more. So it just it comes back to what you value. But um, I, I think, yeah, it, it, if if he wants to wait and see to see what the government might do um, or, or to see how where prices go, then then I, th- I think that makes sense. It probably makes sense, given that hopefully we might know what the new government's going to do in the next fortnight or so. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to have the news. Uh, so we're going to drop the news and we're going to carry on because we've got so many questions and uh, calls and people lined up. So uh, we'll bring you the full, we'll obviously bring you the midday update uh, at uh, at 12 o'clock. So we'll have a full half hour bulletin then. You, you, I should have asked, actually. Are you both happy to stay for a bit longer? Do a few more calls? Good, that's the correct answer. Uh, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, let's go to uh, Sam's on the line. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Uh, what's um, your, you're particularly concerned about students. Another interesting yeah, question, this. Go well, on. I've got two children who are both, one's doing an NGD, one's doing a PhD. They're on fixed stipends, 16,500, no increase will be, well, one's already two years in and one's got another two years. The other one is just about to start. Um, Everything I've been hearing is about universal, people on universal credit, people on benefits, people on low incomes, 
but nothing referring to their situation. And obviously, they are on a low income. And one of my children um, is taking on an extra, you know, some teaching this year, already working 40 hours in the lab, is going to take a module on to try and earn an extra bit of money, um, a few hundred pounds, just to try and cover the additional costs that are coming from their landlords about, you know, obviously increased rents as well as um, things. And is there anything that's been said about this kind of situation that your people know about? I'm really worried for them. Uh, uh, Abby, it's an interesting point that Sam's making. Is that that clearly uh, children made the decision two, three, four years ago, I think I can make it work on six and a half thousand a year. I've worked it all out. I've crunched my numbers. I think I can make it work. And along comes this juggernaut and just blows all those calculations up. So, yeah, so students are a a little bit forgotten in this, um, particularly if you pay your, um, you know, energy through uh, some kind of, you know, if your landlord pays your energy as well. I suppose actually lots of just university students who don't even get the six and a half thousand. You know, they might again have thought, well, their parents could give them that much. That's enough to live on. I've done my numbers. You're about to go to university next month. And suddenly the numbers don't 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 add up at all. Yeah. So um, if you so th- there's the four hundred pound um, grant which government has put in place. If you don't pay your energy bill yourself, then um, that you won't even see that money because the, it will go to whoever does pay your energy bill. So the landlord. Um, and, and and no p- guarantee that they then pass that on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No no guarantee that that is reduced. So it's again really based on trust. Um, I think that the first thing I'd say is uh, do do get in touch um, with, well, ha- probably have a look locally to see if there's any support available mm. locally. Um, there, there is a uh, household support fund um, that uh, can, can offer people support. There's also, um, you know, support that you could get possibly from your uh, from your energy um, supplier if if you are the person who pays the bill um but and and obviously failing that do get in touch with citizens advice there's lots of information on our website um and and you can call us as well um but it's completely right it's, it's a bit of a sort of support black hole for, yeah. for students and, and renters in some cases and one of the things that you wanted to mention um as well Abby, was the um uh affordability but if you do get into trouble you should what are the starting points to go to your energy company the first thing you should do, so if you're looking at the numbers today and you think there's just no way I'm going to be able to afford this, um, and actually for direct debits, um, your energy company might not wait until October to put them up because um, the, the point of a direct debit is to sort of build up um, to some you know, some degree reserves for winter. So it could well be that people see their bills um, go up you know, e- even in the next couple of days. It depends on your energy supplier's policies. Um, if you look at your those numbers and you think there's just no way I'm going to be able to pay my bill please get in touch with your energy company there are there's there's a few things they can do there's the support that they are um, regulated that they are obligated to offer you so if you um, want to uh, have a more uh, affordable payment plan or repayment plan if you're in debt and they're obliged to give that to you if you are on a prepayment meter they're obliged to give you um, emergency credit to to tide you over um, as long as you haven't you know uh, had it multiple times and and it's in your it's in your interest Um, so that there is support out there they can also give you a referral to debt advice the first thing i'd say is get in touch with the energy company yeah yeah, as a starting point um sam is that is that of some help yeah yeah no it's the the, the other thing can i just add in one of my children um suffers with very severe asthma so in the winter having decent heating is really important or otherwise it's hospitalization yeah i mean that that's that's already happened because of last year um because of trying to keep heating up. Is there any, does anybody know of anything that, would that be a case going back to the energy companies with mitigating circumstances to see if they can help out with that, the grants? That's exactly, there's lots of nodding here, uh, Sam. So that sounds like the right thing to do, to go to okay. the, start, right. definitely start. I think that's the, one of the overriding messages of all these things is get just, you know, don't worry about making a fuss. Keep prodding everyone. Prod your energy companies, you know, contact local charities, get onto citizen advice, you know, lots of, yes, and Emma. I would also say for students specifically, there is something called a hardship fund that some universities offer. Um, if you're really struggling, it's not linked to student finance, but if you're really struggling, you can get in touch with the university directly. You can show them your bank statements and show them the state of your finances and why you're worried and show them that you you actually can't afford to pay your bills. And there is a budget there that they can allocate yeah. that can actually help you cover those essential costs. Some top ideas, um, top ideas and I would, as well, yeah, for students. Yeah, and one other thing to add to the £400 energy grant, if you're, um, if you're renting and your bills are included in your tenancy and your landlord is reluctant to pass it on, you could suggest um, paying reduced rent between October and March. 
um, just to kind of claw back some of that money so you could ask yeah. for it to be given to you in, in the form of a, mon a monthly discount. monthly basically. discount on your rent, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, thanks so much for your call, Sam. Best of luck with it and best of luck to your, your children as well. All right, bye. Good to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Uh, let's go to Ian now. I like questions like this. This is a question that I've thought myself, but luckily Ian can ask it instead. Morning, Ian and Howard. How are you doing? Morning, Matt. Uh, morning to your guests. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm confused about smart meters. We, we've had one for a few months now. I lost the, the indoor reader thing broke, so I use the Hugo app and I'm connected to my meter so I can see the daily usage. But I'm a bit confused because if I've got one of these meters and it's showing me the exact usage that we're, we are doing and it's helping me to cut back, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm also pay, uh, paying a, direct, a fixed direct debit. I get both gas and electricity from the same supplier. So I don't understand how that works. Surely I'm supposed to be charged on what I use. Yes, exactly right. So I've, I've been in a slightly similar situation to you, Ian. We lost our smart meter. We did some decorating. and we could. Anyway, we found it. I've plugged it back in. Uh, so we're all back up and running again. Um, but Emma, why, if you've got a smart meter, why are we still being charged big monthly direct debits? Well, there's huge, there's various issues with the smart meters. It's a huge debate at the moment um, across the energy industry and with households. First of all, if you've got a first generation smart meter, it might not actually be working properly. It might be too old. If you've switched your supplier, it might not be compatible with your new supplier. So there might be some issues there and it might not be sending the readings. Some smart meters send readings every 30 days. Um, they're trying to kind of streamline this to 30 minutes across the board but there are some some um, meters out there that are still sending those readings once a month so it could be that you're you're it's not taking readings as as often as it should be um they also transmit data wirelessly so um if it you know if they're Issues like thick walls yeah. or poor poor signal can actually impact that. So your readings might not be that accurate. So I would get in touch with your supplier and ask them to come and service your meter or see if they can replace it if it's faulty. Um, there's plenty. If you have a quick search on Times Money Mentor, there's plenty of tips on there on how to spot a dodgy um, or a faulty smart meter. Um, there's lo lots of little tips and tricks that you can do to kind of work out if it's accurate or not. So have a go at those and see how you get on. But then, I suppose part of the point as well is that uh, it's... It they're, they're sort of based on your usage, modelling a 12-month average so that you don't have massive bills in the winter and then lower bills in the summer. So there's probably a bit of that going on as well, rather than almost pay as you go just based on what's on the meter. Yeah, exactly. So the, the idea of um, paying by direct debit is that you do build that reserve. So yeah. And suppliers do try to do that to help reduce some of the pressure on households over the colder months. Yeah. So there is an element of that going on too. Um, and, but I mean, you, can, you can just get the money back as well, can't you? Yeah, so if um, I think sort of industry um, like standard or agreement is uh, that uh, a supplier shouldn't be keeping more than two months worth of um, your yeah. your credit as, as a credit balance. So um, actually, and as I said, there, there are also rules to protect you if you just can't pay and you need a, a sort of more affordable payment or repayment plan. So again, get in touch with your energy company. You might be able to negotiate it down. We've seen a lot of people do that. Do you know what's interesting that? Because I think the other day I looked and I was on, I think I've got about £300, £350 in credit which probably was more than two months worth a couple of months ago, and now probably isn't. It's probably worth keeping it in, in store. Uh, was, that, was that of some help, Ian? It sounds like, at the very least, you could, if you've got a lot of money built up in reserve, you could ask for some of that back. Yeah, that is very helpful, because there's, there's only two of us, and we've been energy conscious for a while. I mean, the minute that this all started to be debated, we've been we've been looking at things carefully. We've been cutting down things, unplugging things. We're getting a water meter fitted. But I just couldn't see the the correlation between seeing on the screen what I'm using and then getting this fixed, the fixed bill thing. every month. But that, that was that was really helpful. I think basically uh, basically what's happened to some extent is that they are monitoring what you're using. That is being used to fix your bill, but they're just they're just building up a massive stockpile of everyone's money. And at the end of the year they'll give you some of that back. But if you want it back now because you're worried, you know, you can go and ask for it back. Ian, good to, good to speak to you. Thanks so much for coming on this morning. Uh, that's uh, Ian and Howard joining us on Times Radio. In the last few minutes, we have just had this in. Uh, Rishi Sunak's been speaking to Sky in the last few minutes. This is the most pressing challenge facing the country. I've said that consistently. And as Chancellor, I announced significant support to help people. But the situation has deteriorated. As Prime Minister, I would go further. My priority is to protect the most vulnerable in society, including pensioners. And I want them to have certainty that extra help is coming. That's what I would put in place. But that represents a choice. It's the right thing to do. But I want to prioritise those people. 
alternative plans which are doing different things, borrowing tens of billions of pounds for permanent unfunded tax cuts, don't actually do anything to help the people most in need, risk making inflation worse, and put our nation's finances at risk as well. My plan, my priority is the right one for our country. That's Rishi Sunak speaking in the last, uh, just within the last sort of 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we've still got uh, Abhi Jatendra from Citizen Advice in the studio and Emma Bod, uh, Munbod from Times Money Mentor. I mean, to some extent, he's just repeated what he's always said. And, and let's be honest, based on the polls, he's not going to be Prime Minister. So what we really need to hear is what Liz Truss is going to do. And she's been determined not to tell us. Indeed. No, I completely agree. I also think Rishi, one of Rishi's policies is this 5% cut on um, VAT on it, taking that 5% off um, energy household bills with the VAT cut. But that's a 5% cut in, in the grand scheme of things. Energy bills are going up 80% in October. So it's it's really not going to make a huge impact, is it, at the end of the day, even if that was to go through? And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? There's, a, there's sort of the little tinkering, take a bit of air, a bit off there. What this is going to end up being is actually more akin, Abby, to what we saw in the pandemic. Massive, bold, radical, hugely expensive government intervention. So given the scale of price rises, I think we need like really big ideas on the table. Um, I think Rishi's right that uh, targeted support is really important. At Citizens Advice, we're seeing every day that people are really, really struggling on the ground. So it's absolutely right that people yeah. on benefits, people on low incomes, people who are going to be pulled into poverty um, but may, may be comfortable right now, they're the people who really need support. But it, it's true that everyone's going to feel this. Okay, let's do uh, let's do some more calls now. I think we've got uh, Chris is on the line. Morning, Chris. Morning, Matt. Um, yeah, I called in. I, I started looking at the bills. I suspect I'm like lots of other people, and I noticed a couple of things. First of all, the daily charge has gone up by fifty percent, and I couldn't work out why. Was, you know, so I got in touch. I had all sorts of problems getting in touch with a uh, company. I got cut off. I spoke to somebody who said didn't know. Raised a complaint. I got a four hundred and seventy-five word <laughs> reply saying, "Yeah, we can do this if we like, more or less." Uh, so I'm waiting for them to tell me why they've done that. But like, I, I can't see it. The energy cost has gone up. Yeah, I get that. I don't understand why the delivery cost and everything else has gone up. But apparently they say they're allowed to do it. And the other thing is, when I started talking to them and digging, I found I got an email from them saying, oh, sorry about this. We're going to pay £850 back, which <laughs> which I didn't realise that would do. Yeah, they're just taking that amount of money, you know. And, it, and I, I asked them if the calculation was right, and they said, yeah, 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 it's all right. And it clearly wasn't. Well, you sound like we should put you in charge of, of everyone's bills by the side of it, Chris. Um, it's good you've got... It's such an interesting point, though, because you don't notice, unless you keep on top of this, and you know maybe this will problem us for people, you might have suddenly built up loads of money or they redone it, so constantly prodding people seems to be a good point. But, Emma, no, is I think it, Go on, sorry, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I think, OK, we're looking at big numbers. I mean, if we're talking about 20, 30 pence a day or whatever, you know, not a great... But hold on, multiply that to 30, and if you're short of cash, it's still money worth yeah. having. And I'm absolutely convinced... They know what they're doing, you know, and it, and it took me, it's taken me a good couple of hours to get someone to actually say, oh, we've raised a complaint and we'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, no one knew the answers and it's just, it shouldn't be like that. You I know? Either of you across why, because it's one thing we totally understand, the price of gas has gone up, so therefore if you're using more gas, but the, the service price, the delivery charge, if you like, it hasn't gone up or ha or has it? Yeah, so it's it's a really tricky one. Um, the, the reason why the standing charge has gone up is because of all the energy companies who failed last year, partly because of all the energy companies that failed last year. They're using the standing charge to recover the costs of, um, you know, the multi-billion cost of energy companies failing. So that that's why the standing charge has gone up. Um, but again, it's it's it, it's these really difficult. So where's that money going? Um, it's so it's uh, it's a, a mixture of um, yeah. the, the cost of. Uh, sort of paying for like the transition for an energy company via an administrator to a okay. new company effectively. Yeah. Um, but if you remember last year, there were 30 energy companies yeah, that failed. So yeah, yeah. effectively, you know, a huge part of the market was wiped out, which is why um, the standing charge has gone up so much. But it, it's it's another cost. It's the worst yeah. time. Um, another cost amongst so many that's going to make people's lives really difficult. And in part, the reason they went bust was because all these businesses started up and they based on one set of numbers and then suddenly... Their charge, their cost, essentially of buying in the gas went up, and that's why they went bust. Uh, I'm sure that's probably not a huge amount of help, Chris. But at least you now know why it's gone up, even though we can't do very much about it. But the yeah. the, the moral of Chris's story is Chris just keep prodding, prodding, and then you might get some money back. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And again, and and I, I'm sure there's a reason, but they should be upfront about it and tell us, you know, and not exactly bury it in 475. One other question. What I, you know, I guess you guys and the experts can know. My understanding is the cost of getting gas out of the ground hasn't changed, right? It still costs the same when it comes out of the ground and it's the first tank it goes into. So where is all this money going to? Yeah, is it, traders, presumably. Yeah, it's the, it's the, that's exactly what it is. It's, the, um, it's just there's less gas about. So there's less gas about. Yeah. There's a bid in war to buy it, and then we are the ones who end up having to having to pay the difference. Good to speak to you, Chris, and well done, well done for being our very own Martin Lewis, prodding at big companies and getting some money back. Um, uh, good to speak to you, Chris. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, have we got is it Mark on the line now? Can we speak to Mark? Morning, Mark. Yeah, morning, Matt. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, where are you coming from? What's your situation? Uh, Sheffield, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. It's a, it's a nightmare that's gradually unfolding and there's nothing we can do to stop it at the moment. The, the specific thing that's, that's also worrying me, though, is uh, something I've not heard anyone talking about so far, which is credit reference agencies. Yeah. Uh, utility bills nowadays are reported into credit reference agencies. So that means as people gradually get into more and more problems, paying on time, paying at all, whatever... Uh, it's then going to have this compounding effect in the background all the time where you're going to be getting black marks on your file for three years, which you're just going to, going to sit around, and it will mean a lot of people are not going to be able to access usual sort of funding mechanisms, and they're going to be pushed into the, into the dark market for it. Emma, it's a really good point, that, isn't it? It is. So if you're struggling with your bills, the best thing to do is to obviously speak to your supplier and let them know that you're struggling. Um but um, and when they when you approach your supplier and you tell them they're struggling, they should sort of spring into action and offer you things like payment plans or payment breaks and such measures. But um, and and the thing is, when you're put on a payment plan, they can't suddenly just put a default on your credit file. I was going to ask that. So if you if you basically do the right thing, get on a payment plan, and you're then paying based on that payment plan, you're, you're doing the right thing and you're meeting the contract essentially. So you're, you're you don't then get that sort of black mark against your name. Exactly. So you're meeting your monthly payments when you're on that payment plan. It might it's a reduced amount, but you're still paying your bills every month. So they can't yeah. mark you as a as you've missed a payment on your credit re- credit re- report, which would then obviously affect your ability to yeah. get credit in the future. But they can't do that if you're on a payment plan because you're technically paying your bills. Uh, yeah, Abby. Yeah, Emma's completely right. But again, it just shows how um, like mad the situation is that actually like if if the cost of a loaf of bread went up threefold and you couldn't afford it. And then, you know, that, that, that was seen to be, like, effectively, you know, an act that would have a, a, an impact on your credit rating yeah, down yeah, the yeah. line or something. It, it would be seen as mad. But that is literally what's happening right now. We're also really concerned that people, if they can't keep up with their direct debits, they might be moved to a prepayment meter. And we know the cost to keep yourself on, um, you know, keep the heating and lights on are going to be upwards of something like £600 in January. So really worried about that. And that's another thing that government and Ofgem need to be really looking at. Well, see what, I'm going to let you mark... mark. I'm going to let you go there because I think um, it's good to speak to you, but um, I just want to bring in uh, Eileen because Eileen was bringing up exactly that point. Morning, Eileen. Morning. You wanted to talk about prepayment meters in particular. I did. I I just wondered how um, you look at the most vulnerable in society and it's that group usually. They're not very good at filling in forms, um, you know, so applying for stuff. How are they going to deal with these people and all the platitudes about, oh, just speak to your company and blah. These people don't have the capacity often to do those things. Who's going to look after them? How are they going to be dealt with? It is this mad situation, isn't it, Abby, that the people who pay the most for each bit of gas and electric are the poorest people because they're on this prepayment meters. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and prepayment meters expect so much from people. You know, you have to, for example, if, if we take the example of discount or um, the energy rebate that, that's coming this winter, um, you'll get a text or a letter and you'll have to take that to your local paypoint provider or, or, or equivalent and um, get the support in the form of a voucher, which then you, you know, walk back and then you, you uh, put, put on your prepayment meter. So actually there's a lot of admin and and difficulty associated with that whereas for people who pay by direct debit that it will just come straight off your your payment so actually 
yeah, there's there's a lot being expected. I'd say this this group that we're talking about, people who are in more vulnerable situations, they are the people who both need the most support and will need the most government intervention to get support to them. So that's why something like, you know, support via the benefit system, um, we're even thinking support via child benefit because that, that reaches a wider sort of just about managing group. That might be another way to get support to people. But again, it's a policy question which we'd hope politicians would be thinking about right now, but well, obviously we haven't heard anything. Absolutely everyone's thinking about, apart from the people who can do anything about it. Um, uh, last couple of quick thoughts. I mean, for, the main, my main things that I've taken away is a sort of uh, um, innocent bystander in all of this. Keep contacting your companies. Tell them what's going. Don't don't get into a pickle. Uh, go to them. Tell them you can't cope, and they should. They've they've got to help you. Is that right, Emma? Yeah. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't struggle in silence. If you've got, if you're worried about your bill or you're already defaulting or you you you're looking at your wages and you're thinking this is not going mm. to, I'm not going to be able to afford my next um my heating bill in January. Speak to your supplier. Let them know in advance. If you if it's the same if you're falling behind on your rent, speak to your landlord and open that discussion. It's only when they know what's going on that they can offer you support. But also that way you can sort of protect your credit file and avoid any things like defaults which can obviously stay on your file for six months and escalate so the the big thing the big message here is to speak to anyone involved and make make sure every you're very transparent about any struggles that you're facing yeah 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 uh, abby your last thought um, absolutely. Do get in touch with your energy company if you're worried. And again, just hoping that um, we, we get a plan soon because it it's unthinkable, it's mad and the situation on the ground is already so difficult and it's likely to get significantly worse. Yeah, we've had so many, so many messages on that. Sorry, Eileen, I don't know if Eileen's still there, but thank you, Eileen, for your... Hi for your call uh really appreciate you coming on this morning i've had so many messages and i'm sorry, but hopefully even if we didn't get you on then uh we've managed to answer your question a bit mike says this basically sums up the mood of our entire timeline really neither of the leadership candidates and obviously the current one wouldn't know effective leadership what effective leadership looked like if it fell on their heads it's true to say that nobody can predict the future but on rising energy bills and the actions needed to mitigate them that's a very weak argument to rely on um, thank you so much uh, to, for all of you for getting in touch, for sharing your stories. Uh, thank you to Emma Mumbo, Deputy Editor of the Times Money Mentor, and Abby Jatendra, Principal Policy Manager at Citizens Advice. Quick thing, web addresses, how can people find your details? Times, uh, Emma Mumbo at Twitter and Times Money Mentor. If you have a quick Google, you'll be able to find our page with lots of support for anyone struggling. Fantastic. And Abby, Citizens Advice? Google Citizens Advice. We've been around since um, the, the dawn of the, of the Second World War and we're, we're here to help you have a look on our website. Fantastic. We really appreciate your time, Abby and Emma. Thanks very much for joining us. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.